0: at gmail.com. Welcome to another edition, episode number eleven of the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast. I'm Jim, and joining me, as always, renowned hitting coach, professional evaluator, my former coach, friend, and co-host, Jake Epstein. Jake, how are you? Good morning.
1: And good morning to you. Yeah, it's good to uh, kind of get after this. I'm excited for the the Bryce Harper breakdown. He's such a exciting player to watch and polarizing young man. You know with how competitive he is on the field that it'll be kind of fun to break down you know what he does mechanically today
0: yeah it's our second edition of our mechanical breakdown series we did Christian Yelich a few weeks ago go back and check that out in the archives and today we are doing one of the highest paid players in the league right now and Bryce Harper about to enter his second year with the Phillies I do want to bring something up to you first though Uh, baseball is back for those who don't know in case you're living under a rock Major League Baseball is coming back July 23rd 24th uh, there will be the opening day Series type deal and uh, I just want to, you know, excuse me for getting on my soapbox for a second, but I think, you know, as you and I know, we're cut from the same cloth. And I think as we talk about hitting every week, talk about baseball every week, we get into a routine. And I think any U.S. citizen, any American, no matter what your gender, nationality, race is, I think everybody, this, the way this country is built, we get into a routine routine and we like that routine, whether we admit it or not, and I think subconsciously the reason people are so excited that baseball is back is because we want that normalcy again with everything that's been going on the last few months in the world, and I think that this is the time, and no disrespect to the NBA, which I think it's great that that's back too. and I've always said basketball players are the best athletes in the world, hockey players, the NHL coming back, I'm excited about that, I love the NHL playoffs, but I think this is baseball's time, June, July, where it starts to peak the interest, and then it goes down a little bit, and then back up. And I think people who are excited that baseball is back aren't just excited that it's back playing again on the field, but they're back getting back to that normalcy that they wanted so badly here the last few months. So, I'm personally, for me, I'm, I'm very excited that within the next couple of weeks, rather than turning on the news or watching a Show from the '90s, a sitcom, which, by the way, had probably the '90s of the best sitcoms, you know, go out there. For sure, I'm excited <laughs> to watch uh, an actual baseball game again.
1: Yeah, I mean, we learn we learn from watching baseball games. I have all my students watch watch games and listen to the 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 announcers and the color commentators that are you know giving us mm-hmm. game inside information, and people don't realize it. You know, the color guys that are in there, those guys. They know their stuff. Yeah. They, they've they got years and years and years of experience of being in that batter's box and and being on that field. And and if we listen to what they say, they they spew out such diamonds, you know, of of quality information. I mean, there's also some, you know, maybe not so great information. But I'll tell you what, you know, we learn. And I always ask kids, you know, do you watch games? Mm-hmm. No, we don't watch games. Yeah. Well, that's how you learn the game. That's how you learn to run the bases. That's how you learn cutoff men. That's how you learn – Count awareness, or why guys are pitching you a certain way, and the more you can watch, it's so accessible now with like MLB.com. You know, you can go on the line and watch games that are were yesterday if you wanted to. So, yeah, I'm excited because selfishly, I I love to watch baseball in the summer. I think it's you know a great way to wind down a day. I think it's kind of fun, you know, with the kids, and um, you know, you're out there playing with them, and they're out on the field. Now, all of a sudden, we can watch the the best. Athletes in the world, you know, doing it on a daily basis. It'll be fun. It's it's going to be a total sprint. We're going to have teams that. Um, I, I saw a, a a text the other day. I'm I'm good friends with Jace Tingler, uh, who's the uh, the Padres' new Padres manager. And somebody, you know, on their social media was like, "This is the first time the Padres have been tied for first place with only sixty games left in the season <laughs> yeah. in quite some time, right?" So, uh, but you're going to see young teams like that with you know all these young talent and 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 energy just get after it for 60 games and I think it's going to be pretty fun.
0: Yeah, you'd be surprised. Uh, you you always profess this. Some parents say, "Hey, don't watch major league baseball." Well, they're not doing it right. No, you should. I mean, that's the opposite because you learn from the best. You want to be the best, you want to play at the highest level, you learn from that. I mean, gosh, I I I think taking away these last few months, what I take away from it is that I I still watch a decent amount of old games, whatever the case may be, but I, I never realized how much baseball I actually watch between work, uh, between just my leisure time, between being at the gym and maybe listening to uh, the, the audio broadcast. I never realized how much baseball really consumes my life, but that, to me, is how you gain a ton of wisdom when you're around it so much, like you and I are, but then you watch as much and as many innings as we do. It's... it's that's how you learn. It's it's, irreplaceable.
1: It is. Yeah. I agree. Wholeheartedly.
0: Yeah. Um, you mentioned, though, about um, uh, these the 60 games and the race to the finish and how it's kind of going to be a sprint. I want to get your thoughts on a couple of new rules. First, the universal DH and a runner starting at second come extra innings. And right now that happens in the minor leagues. And... Um, for better or for worse, I think it's actually a good thing because of the amount of necessary things that have to happen throughout the next day or that night with, with players moving up, going down, whatever the case may be. A lot of moving parts. But the first thing I want to ask you, what do you feel about the players and how their bodies will react to this This extra time off like to me you know sp- players go into spring training because they're trained all year round I still think they have some nicks like for example you know I may go into the g- weight room or the gym and I may have a sore hamstring but I'm still squatting and I still have mobility to squat with a lot of strength and I feel that's a lot uh, a lot of major leaguers too that they have those nicks and pains but now we've had that second wave of an off season that now maybe it's given them some time to heal especially the older guys too. Uh, do you feel that this will help players? Maybe we'll see less injuries? P- on the pitching side, I-, I can't really speak to that. But on the position player side, what do you think we'll see? I mean, are guys healed up now? Will this actually benefit older players? Or do we have hold the risk here outside of COVID-19 uh, possibly being added to the injured injured list, taking that out of play? I'm talking about physically, the the muscles in the body. How do you think the body will react with some of these guys? I think
1: coming out of the break, they're going to feel great. Uh, but the body's still the body, and, and you only move certain ways when you're in game situations. You know, when you're rounding a base, or you're sliding into a base, or you're busting it out of the box on, on a bunt, or you know, a chopper, or something sure, like sure. that. So, I think you know, an older body's an older body, and unless it's you know stress tested, you know, we'll still see injuries, and and I think that guys will definitely play with those injuries. Yeah, a lot more than they normally have. Oh, it's 162 games. I don't mind taking 15 for that part of it. It'll it'll be stable. Um, I also think the 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 runner on second. I think that's a great idea. I Mm -hmm. think there's you know, that helps with travel the next day, right when when guys have to they got to get on a bus. Um, depending on where they're going, or a plane, it's gonna it's gonna help with travel, you know, with the condensed season. So I'm kind of cool with that. I think the the DH saves time yeah. with double switches and pitching changes. So we'll see if that that kind of solidifies, you know, time constraints on games. Um, it'll be interesting to see the commercial breaks, you know, and see if, if that changes, you yeah, know, this yeah. year as as well, if there's still a demand for that or if games will be faster. Um, I'm a National League truest. I like the double switch. I like the strategy that the managers have to create. I, I think it's part of the game, and it's been part of the game for a long time. So I'm kind of okay with the DH for this year. And, sure. hey, we'll see what it's like. Why not give it a test run? Um, but I think it it really brings in a, a cool factor of – of uh, baseball and and a manager having to think three and four steps ahead or three or four innings ahead and in what he may want to do in a certain situation and who he has in the bullpen and who he has on the bench. Yeah,
0: we uh, we talked last week about uh, we finished up our our part two of our. History Hitting book. I'm sure we'll do part three, part four, part five um, down the line, but uh, we didn't really talk much last week about Ken Griffey Jr., which I was kind of surprised about last Sunday on MLB Network uh, on Father's Day. They had uh, a Ken Griffey Jr. uh, montage of all of his greatest moments. They had the home run derby that he won in 1999. I want to share something I found um, from Baseballer. Again, this was on Facebook. I took a picture of it for you. I want to just throw these numbers out at you. These numbers might prove that Griffey Jr. was one of the best players, if not at least in the top five best baseball players of all time. 2,781 hits, 630 home runs, 1,836 runs batted in, 22 total seasons. I think with him, if he didn't get hurt so much, he may have had the chance to probably break Hank Aaron's record. What do you think?
1: yeah you know he did have the longevity you know for sure twenty two seasons that's what it takes you know to to break any kind of records is longevity um he he was susceptible to getting hurt yeah. um that's that's yeah that was the most you know i mean he probably career. could have gotten three thousand hits yeah. you know definitely if he didn't if he didn't get hurt i mean that checks another box right but yeah. um yeah i mean especially for his generation yeah you know anybody that has their own shoes <laughs> It's usually like a good sign that they're you know a pie you know they're, they're the leader they're at the pinnacle of the game at a certain time yeah.
0: yeah he was one of my one of my favorite players um growing up well coming up we're going to talk about our topic today Bryce Harper and his swing breakdown we're going to be doing a swing breakdown again the way to follow that we're going to put it on uh YouTube later the Epstein uh hitting YouTube page that you can follow along with um while you're listening to this, or or not, just listen to Jake and I break down Bryce's swing with two separate clips. But I want to talk about the Epstein Online Hitting Academy, uh, which is gaining some new members. And uh, I was looking at it this morning. There's a lot of stuff on there um, with annotations. I think I said that right. And uh, some some videos that explain drills that can help a hitter get better. And the pricing is absolutely tremendous and certainly affordable.
1: Yeah, so the uh, the Epstein Online Academy is,
0: you know, was was
1: built so that I could communicate with my players that were not in the area, um, so that I have I had players on the East Coast, they could submit videos every week of what they were doing and what they were working on. I could provide them with drill plans, customized drill plans, of videos I wanted them to do to fix certain things. So um, we saw a spike in that as soon as the podcast podcast really kicked off a couple months ago we saw a big spike so i want to thank all you podcast listeners that have taken part in the in the online academy um and it's fun for me you know to be able to have relationships because essentially what happens is i end up meeting those people at at certain times you know there's there's a girl in california that was sending in videos when she was eight years old um and we had been working online and her swing is amazing she's actually um quite popular now on uh, her name's uh, audrey and she's on twitter and she has many followers because she's like the greatest uh, i think she's nine or ten now uh player i mean she's amazing defensively offensively she's the hardest worker ever right but i finally got to meet them i happened to be in san diego doing uh, visiting family for thanksgiving and i was doing some lessons and here it is this girl i've only seen you know virtually sending in swings from her garage now we got to meet and Um, Pretty cool thing. So, um, yes, absolutely. Players send in their videos. I do a complete analysis, usually uh, next to a big leaguer, showing them what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. And then what we'll do is um, I'll figure out, hey, this is the most important thing for us to fix right now. Here's your drill plan. I only want you to do these drills this week. I want you to do 75 of this drill, 100 of this drill, so on and so forth. Then send me a video next week doing the drills. I want to make sure you're doing them correctly. And then once they start performing that, then all of a sudden we get into more live swings and then maintenance is, I want game swings. I want to see how you react in a game. I want to see, does it match up what you're doing in BP? So it's been an awesome resource for my players um, around the country. And then for new players trying to get exposed to kind of what i teach
0: yeah that is uh, epsteinhitting.com the online hitting Acad- academy again there's a whole overview sample annotations testimonials there's everything there it's it's very easy especially um working remotely with with one of the best hitting instructors around so again that is epsteinhitting.com and click on the online hitting academy tab don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. New episodes every Monday at 9 a.m. We're also on social media at Epstein Hitting on Twitter and Instagram at Jim Tara. Submit us your questions, and you can also email us too, jimbopodcast21 at gmail.com. That's jimbopodcast21 at gmail.com. We won't have any time for questions today, but we will get to them uh, down the line here. A lot to talk about with Bryce Harper and his swing breakdown, just to give you sort of a Introduction to Bryce, if you don't know who he is, the six-time All-Star. By the way, new dad. He's going to be a new dad. He already has a little boy, a son, nice. and he's about to be a father to a girl. He's about to be a girl dad. He posted that. I saw that came <laughs> up on my Instagram feed that he's going to be a, a girl dad. Him and his wife, Kayla, uh, will be having a daughter. So congratulations to the Harper family. Um, Bryce was the first overall draft selection by the Washington Nationals in 2010 after Steven Strasburg. He came up with Washington in 2012 So he pretty much blew through the minor league system Which you kind of expect with number one overall picks Came up in 2012 Made his debut in Los Angeles At Dodger Stadium Quite the place to make your debut He had to fly across the country to do it Uh, He was the rookie of the year that year made an all-star appearance, kind of had a little bit of a gaffe, if you will, in left field where a fly ball went over his head. He misplayed it badly in Kansas City, but nevertheless, still an all-star rookie of the year. What were your thoughts when he first came up? I I, I saw a kid who, and he was a kid at the time, who still didn't grow into his body. He still looked like a college player. He he ran like a college player. His body language was like a college player and the way he sprinted. In every facet. He just didn't have the wisdom, which, it's, I mean, that's everybody. That's nothing wrong with that. It's, as you get older, in any walk of life, you gain that wisdom. But he also, his body, he he wasn't as muscular as he is now. He didn't fill out, and the body still hasn't matured yet, but nevertheless, he was a tremendous athlete. What were your thoughts when he first came up?
1: Well, so polarizing. I mean, he when he graduated from high school early, he was you know highly highly touted everybody knew he was going to be great you know from the time he was like 15 years old he was he was dominating he was you know even though he wasn't massive he was an early mature yeah you know he hit balls really far he you know he there's videos of him you know swinging a 35 ounce bat or a 40 ounce bat when he was like 15 years old you know they got a lot of traction and um yeah when he came up he was man he was you know on a scale of one to ten he was a twelve he was so aggressive yeah he was trying to i mean he had to prove himself that's a lot of pressure I and mean, he was probably what nineteen years old i mean yeah. you know a lot of guys fly through the minor leagues coming out of college right this guy flies through the minor leagues coming out of high school yeah. that he graduated early i guess he went to junior college for a year or so mm-hmm. first after he graduated high school early but um he did he ran you know he ran hard and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that you know i don't want people to think that oh you know big leaguers dog it they they play 162 games you know so they they have to be a little bit more cautious with their body you know college players are they're going to stick their nose in the dirt and they're going to run as hard as they can they're going to slide as hard as they can they're going to run into walls they're going to you know because that's what it is i mean you're playing for for your team right and and you're going to do anything you can for that team and sometimes in pro ball you know for, for better or worse, you know, you're playing for money, right? Yeah. And you're playing for a contract. And, you know, maybe, you know, if you pop a hamstring or a groin and you miss 20 games, that might be, you know, three home runs that you you hit and you end up with 27 instead of 30. And then that was the barrier to maybe get you $2 million more the next year in your contract or arbitration. Right. So yeah, yeah. everything leads to something else, you know, in, in Major League Baseball. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I heard a story. Um, f- he was at a showcase at, at USC, um Southern Cal, and they have parking parking structure in right field. and anyway, he was he was just going right, balls to the walls and he's you know throwing he's a catcher right at this time. and so he's yeah. you know throwing doing pop time. so he airmails one in the in the center field like during s- something. and he picks up a ball, he's so upset and he throws it into the parking garage, oh you know three hundred and eighty five <laughs> or four hundred feet away. And that's what all the scouts talked about. They didn't talk about anything else about his bad throws to center field. They're like, oh, my God, did you see how far he threw that ball? And, you know, that's just the kind of guy he was, you know, and and still is, right? He's uber competitive. He's going to give you 100% um, when he's out there. And that's probably why he got paid. You know, nobody has to worry about him dogging anything. They don't have to worry about, um, you know, for – you know antics off the field for the right, most yeah. part. You know he hasn't had any run-ins there. So hey, yeah. if this guy can stay healthy, he's he's as good as it gets.
0: Yeah, I was going. I was going to say that he his emotions always seem to run very very high. I think he absolutely loves this game and he treats it like it is his his job. He understands every facet that leads that he does in BP, in warming up. Stretching, mobility work. He has fun doing it, but he understands that it leads to the game. And I, that's, I think, you know, again, like you mentioned too, the off-the-field antics, it just isn't there. And off-the-field antics can come in any form. I mean, they can come mm-hmm. in, in, you know, uh, the clubhouse, in in giving front office members a problem, uh, tweeting the wrong things. You never see that with him. He has right. a very, very high character, was raised well, and... I think if there's one knock on him that some people may say well he uh, is sometimes misunderstood I I could see that but I think overall the high character and he's just very uber competitive like you mentioned and very intense so in 2013 and 2014 there were kind of some lull years there in 2013 at 274 20 bombs 58 knocked in 2014 273 arguably his worst year I think Uh, He just It was just unproductive Across the board 13 home runs 32 runs bad And that was it A career low There was some talk there That that he would be sent To the minors And try to figure things out But then He came back The Nationals actually Ended up making the postseason That year Lost to the Giants Bruce Bochy Your friend Mm -hmm. Um, But In 2015, he came back, and you saw that body transformation where he wasn't that skinny 19, 20-year-old kid that we saw in Dodger Stadium in 2012. We saw a kid now who really turned into a man. Uh, He grew. He got more muscular, and it showed. I mean, he was faster, more mobile. uh, he He was quicker. He had more wisdom. Um, just in general, of how to attack pitchers. He And he was an MVP that year, in 2015. He led the league in runs, home runs, on-base percentage, slugging, OPS. Analytically, he was in top five in most important categories. Um, I, I don't know. That 2015 year, I look back on it and I say, wow. I, that, that was... that." When he came up, that's what people were expecting from Bryce Harper.
1: And then nobody pitched to him after that. Right. You know, is essentially what happened. He didn't have you didn't have a ton of protection in that lineup, Um, you know, cause Soto didn't come in for a couple years after that. Right. Maybe two years after that, when Soto made his debut, three years after that. So, you know, he, all of a sudden he was getting pitched around, he was walking, he got, you know, quasi Barry Bonds treatment for a while. And then that plays with your head and you start chasing and trying to do too much and putting the team on your back. And that's a, that's a tough situation, you know, for every great player, there's always somebody else driving that great player that has a great season. You know, you talk about Mantle and Maris. You talk about Beguire and Sosa. You know, guys typically have a, a running mate that they're competing against. You know, in that lineup. And a couple, of, you know, after he won that MVP year, there really wasn't that driving force. You know, Zimmerman started to get hurt. Um, um, who was the other guy? The big outfielder Worth was Worth there. He was yeah. he
0: was starting to wind down. He did have Anthony. Yeah. He did have Anthony Rendon. But Rendon wasn't at his peak quite yet. No. Not quite yet. I mean, he was, no. Bryce was kind of the centerpiece of the Washington Nationals there for a very, very long time. And I think last year, when they won the World Series, yeah, you thought of Anthony Rendon, but who did you really think of as the, the, the centerpiece of the Washington Nationals, I mean, you could have uh, Max Scherzer, but on the offensive yeah, side, yeah, their of pitching things, staff, I would say. I mean, you, you kind of just saw a collection of guys there that were are really good players, and Juan Soto's sort of turning into that that, right. that main piece. But uh, when Bryce exited, it was kind of like, okay, now there's a collection of guys there. Let's let's see how it goes. Yeah, for sure. Well, in
1: 2015
0: and 2000 through 2018. Uh, he was an all-star every year 15 16 17 and 18 last year first season with the phillies uh this off season he struggled a bit the whole team struggled but uh, this past off season he was working i saw some videos online of a toe tap he was working on the toe tap a little bit trying to slow things down and he still posts videos about it about the toe tap and i mean gosh anytime you know you, you see him in the cage and you hear that sound coming off the bat my god it it's it's it sounds like a, a a bullet. it really does mm-hmm. um it's very, very loud. There's a different sound to it, as scouts would say when he's going before we get into the video, when he's going well, what really sticks out to you in his swing?
1: um usually breaking balls. he's sitting on breaking balls more mm-hmm. um and I feel that usually by sitting on breaking balls, meaning you're you're anticipating breaking balls, you'll slow your rhythm down um, you know the the rhythm essentially is you know. From your stance to your load into your rear leg and then your leg kick and stride um, to heel plant. So sure, that's that's sure. really your rhythm is from from your stance to heel plant is considered rhythm, which encapsulates load and stride. You know, he, it's slower, right? And and that can be said for for any player that's 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 jumpy. So you know, you go back and you know, I'll trace back when I remember Harper seeing him the first time when he was like in high school. Mm-hmm. Huge legs, huge leg kick, super wide base, long stride, big weight shift, but stayed back. Used all that energy to support 180 pounds, right? Sure. And hit ball's 400 feet. Then he goes into the minor leagues, whatever. I see him come to the big league camp a year or two later, Mm -hmm. and he's got a no stride. Kind of just actually like an early stride. He just gets his foot down early. And then he tries to drift into it and hit. And I'm like, oh, you you, you can't do that. Like you can't <laughs> you can't take someone that has big rhythm and a big stride and take it away because you feel that he's being overmatched with stuff and his timing. You have to let that player fail with that timing. Mm-hmm with that rhythm and try to figure it out because that's in his DNA it'd be like Juan Marichal not having a super high leg kick you know when he was pitching like yeah. that's that's him that's what made him who he was or Nolan Ryan how high he would bring his knee up and um, you know that was Harper so I'm like well that's not going to last we well, failed miserably with it and then the next time I saw him come up he was back to what he looked like in high school and he was he was awesome so the fact that he wants to put a toe tap in to help with His rhythm and timing I would be I'll be very anxious to see how that works Um, a toe tap typically happens before uh, the ball you know before the pitcher really like starts to break their hand so I I would consider it kind of a load versus a stride meaning it happens when a player loads their weight into the back foot yeah then they'll typically toe tap but it doesn't affect a lot of the stride going forward because you're still toe-tapping back, assuming that's what the toe-tap is, and it's not like he's getting his foot down early again. It's right. He's bringing his foot back and tapping and then going forward. It's a very complex move because you're adding a, a piece of it. Now, if you do it early, it's not really a big deal. It's just kind of part of your stride. You're just moving sooner. So it's probably why he's trying to do it, to slow everything down, because um, he gets he gets big. And that's what's kind of cool on this video that I have here. That, that we'll look at again on the on the YouTube link is I have one video of him taking BP mm-hmm. and we'll see what he's working on during BP there's also a video of him doing pregame BP like in the tunnel what he does he does top hand um, and it looks like he's kind of chopping down with his top hand he does bottom hand he he does you know a uh, couple other things and then he takes goes into his full BP so uh, I don't know if it was on MLb.com a couple years ago but it's a really cool little piece of a look in at how a guy prepares for for a game. You know yeah. what what he does. He doesn't spend a lot of time on it. He probably did you know six or seven top hands, uh, six or seven kind of a, a just a barrel throw kind of drill, getting his hands loose, and then he kind of works in his legs nice and slowly, and then he gets big with the legs. And um, anyway, we'll be able to see in these swings. One's a game swing home run where he's actually late. Which is great for him. He was late on a fastball. He had to get his foot down sooner, even though he had a big stride. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we look at obviously, we can look at the upper body mechanics as well, because that's what gets his, his swing plane consistent when he's going so well.
0: Sorry, just had to cut in with this. Major League Baseball is back, but the minor leagues, MILB is kind of in limbo, uh, unfortunately. Nevertheless, though, there's great Dunedin Blue Jays gear available. At the J shop by logging on to doneenbluejays.com. This podcast is available all over the world. We have listeners in three different countries. So obviously you can't go to Doneen, Florida and go to the J shop and pick out the item you'd like. But the online store is tremendous. By the way, the Doneen Blue Jays, in case you don't know, they're the advanced day affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays. And the gear is just sensational. I love it. But what makes it so great, and I'm not just saying that because I work for the Blue Jays organization, I really do mean it. I have a ton of gear. And what makes it so great is that it brings its own flavor with that Blue Jays royal blue and feel to it. Hats, jerseys, shirts, toques, that means beanies here in the USA, keychains, pens, you name it. I mean, it's there. So log on to dunneenbluejays.com, click on the Shop tab if you have time today, tomorrow, whenever, and select your items. Okay. Sorry about that get back to the show. Well, the two videos we have and again, log on to um our YouTube page Epstein hitting YouTube page, I should say. Um that'll be up there. Uh, the mechanical breakdown for both videos will be up there a little bit later. Uh so you can just follow along with us here. Uh but the two swings we have, uh the side home run, the open side, it's in 2018 when he's with the Nationals and then his spring BP Last year in his first season with the Phillies, so it was around that March time last year. But let's start with 2018 here um, with his home run swing. You and I kind of spoke about it prior to uh, the show here, about that swing, about his legs and his lower body. Um, And looking at the video here, boy, there's a lot of open seats in Nationals Park here. My gosh, this must have been when they were. So <laughs> I think this is when they were eliminated from postseason contention, in 2018. Sure. Boy, that was a diff. That was a, that was a bad year for the Nationals in 2018, wasn't it? Yeah, that was very it wasn't uh, was, it was it
1: wasn't a good year to be a Nationals fan. But I think they made up for
0: it. Yeah, they did. They did indeed. Yeah. Uh, but so with Bryce Harper here, I, I'm going to let you take it here. Well, I I see a lot of things, but um, the one thing is starting looking at the lower body, the legs are very. Um, close together especially at the point of contact um, you see the hip snap but the legs are, are really close together but he does make up for it as you mentioned to me off air uh, how does he make up for it
1: um,
0: he he does it by you
1: know getting to his stride early you know getting to the top of his stride early so Jim I'm gonna adjust the uh, the audio on this so give me one second because I want to see if
0: And what I see here is that I paused it Again, this video is with the Nationals And it's a home run And I paused it at his torque position And I'm just looking And I always look from the ground up I see that front foot, that front right foot Slightly open, 45 degree angle The heel is planted the back heel is up. Uh, the the torque is there. You can just see the separation between the lower body and the upper body. The jersey is stretched out. The hands are back. Well, front shoulder is down. I mean, this is pretty. You talk about the legs being close together, but this is pretty picture perfect. It's picturesque, in, in what I see in his swing right here, and I think this this is a great representation of a major league hitter getting to the proper torque position to hit. A ball a long way. I mean, I'm looking, again, I can't get my eyes off that front foot. I can't get my eyes off the back foot. The ground force that he's generating, generating his ability to sit in his legs, um, the front shoulder being down, the hands being up, the knob of the bat pointing to the catcher's feet, um, and just ready to uncoil and rotate around that spine. Um, but that's sort of where I have it paused here and I'll let you take it the rest of the way but I maybe you've gotten to that torque where he is on the torque position uh, what's your take on his torque here I mean it's tremendous
1: it's perfect and he's built for it you know I mean he's that's you know guys that are a little bit more wiry right they're not quite as you know thick as like a maybe a David Ortiz or back in the day like a Jeff Bagwell mm-hmm. um you know, they're going to, or even uh, uh, Vlad Jr., right, isn't going to create as much torque as someone like Bryce or, or Griffey or Williams, you know, dating back. So, yes, this is perfect. Um, you know, I was doing annotations all morning for my online academy people, and uh, four out of five of them could not get to this position. They got to this position with their legs, but what happens is their front shoulder, instead of their front shoulder staying down and their hands being back, their front shoulder was up and their hands were already like down here coming through the strike zone well that's because we don't get any stretch right so Mm -hmm. if I put these angles on here his chest is facing there his hips are facing there you know perpendicular to his hips you know most big leaguers are 35 to 40 degrees there so this is always a checkpoint for me if a player can get there Mm -hmm. pretty much every advanced player that I look at so if I'm looking at a if I'm scouting a college guy or a high school guy that's going to go pretty high in the draft, or even a younger international 13 to 15-year-old, yeah. I would say 95% of those athletes get to this position, where if I'm working with players that are, say, you know, 10 to about 14, um, sometimes older, you know, I would say maybe 20% of them get to this position, that's it. So it's something that we stress a lot when we're training players in the lab or I'm doing the online stuff. This is, this is crucial, this is checkpoint number one. If we, if we don't get to a good position here where our upper body is back, as our lower body opens, we're in trouble. So as you were saying, Jim, you, know, you can see his front foot's about, we talked about this ground force move, usually about 60 degrees is, is ideal. Mm-hmm. 60 degrees means this knee's gonna open, open. That was the wrong tool there. Sorry about that, but
0: the front knee. Um, the front knee. When this
1: opens, the front knee is open. Yeah, that front knee is going to face, you know, towards the, you know, down the left field or for him down the left field line while keeping the hands back. A lot of players get to this position with their legs, but their front shoulder's up and to the right. So another thing to point out here is his top hand. This is the highest of really any big leaguer that I see at launch. You know, we probably talked about this before with other players, but in in Jelic, most players, the top of their top hand at swing launch will be at the low point, the chin, and at, you know, most commonly will be kind of at at the ear here. Okay, you can see he's almost three or four inches higher than that. So what does that help him do? It helps him keep his back shoulder up and his front shoulder down.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at his, uh, and I, I could, I, I see you drawing line the, the green lines with the, the chest, the green line. You're 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 pointing it back towards that back foot, and then of course the the hips. Um, you're pointing that green line, drawing that green line towards that front foot. And you're de- demonstrating torque and and the the separation there that he's I, I, by the way, I just want to say I, maybe it 's just me i don 't like using the word separation when it comes to hitting. I know people do and i 'm sure you do too, but I like torque i don 't know why I like the word torque i think it uh, it, it helps it better demonstrates at least for me um, what a hitter is trying to do there um, but yep. i I look at that and i mean to me <laughs> that's <laughs> it's pretty it 's a pretty ideal position here 's the one question I have though for you he does have his front shoulder pointed down more, and you mentioned that you players, you see them, they struggle getting that front shoulder down, which limits their torque. How do they work on that? What can they, as much as you can tell me without giving away all your secrets and, and, and taking people away from the online hitting academy and the lab, <laughs> um, uh, how do they fix that? Because at times, I struggled with that, too. Oh, man, we have so many different ways to fix it. You almost have to
1: trick players into doing it, Um You know, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll just do dry moves. I'll have them take their stride and plant and stop and feel that position. What is your body telling you there? You know, what does that feel like? Front foot's down, hands are still back, okay? Now can we take that feel into a full swing? And you know what? You don't know unless you put video, slow motion video on them. You don't know if they're doing it right or not. I can't look at somebody full speed and say, oh, that was better. Yeah. I mean, you have to film every single swing. It's a very tedious process. Um, but we have different different tricks that we do with players with how we throw them the ball, you know, maybe how they start their stride, what they're thinking about with their front shoulder, you know, with their chest, maybe breaking things up into two different parts of the swing, of the drill. So there are different tricks. Um, and in time, players get it. I mean, I've, I've had players working on that move for a year. And all of a sudden, you know, maybe, you know, 53 weeks later, they get it. You know, you just don't know, and then sometimes players will get it, you know, two weeks down the line.
0: Sure, sure. So if we, if we keep going here with the swing, again, we're looking at the uh, Nationals video for those listening of him hitting a home run in 2018. For those watching along, we're double-screen, double-sided here uh, on the Epstein YouTube hitting page and the Facebook page. Well, what do you think of his bat lag here in the video clip of the Nationals when he's swinging with the Nationals here? I think the bat lag's pretty good. I guess uh, let me back that up a little bit. That that pitch looks like it's an inside middle in type pitch. Kind of. It is. So, high, yeah.
1: it is Let's let's trace this back. So if we watch his stride normally you know, Harper's gonna get, he's gonna reach out with this leg and probably get to about there. He's gonna have a much bigger hip slide during his stride, but you can see how he just kind of drops it short. So if we draw this space between his his feet in the torque position, Mm -hmm. um, even though he's wide enough here, he's usually way longer down here at the bottom. Okay, so he definitely saw this pitch, he recognized this pitch, he got to about right here, and he's like, you get to the top of his stride, and he's like, "Okay, well, that's middle in. I better get my foot down quicker." That's why having a stride is so beautiful. Okay, it's because when you can learn how to control the stride, you can drop it quickly, which he does better than anyone. And more importantly, if it's an off-speed pitch, you can keep it in the f- keep it in the air longer, mm-hmm. and buy yourself another maybe twelve inches on letting that ball travel. Now, that is only done by having a. Str- Having a stride when you're uh, six years old, seven years old, always having that stride. If you never stride, I have players now I'm working with that are high school players. They've always had a fast, short stride, and now they're like 16, 17 years old. We can't change that. That's going to be so difficult to change because they don't know how to control the stride. It's just been almost part of their swing versus part of their pre-swing. So... You know, that's the first thing that we do here. We notice his pitch is more inside because he drops short uh, He drops short with his base. Sure. Now, if we take him to his short approach position, which is, you know, we talked a lot about this with Yelich. Okay, this is usually from when heel plant happens to this position is where things go wrong. Sure. And if you sure. look here, this is when his chest starts to open. Okay, so we're seeing it on both of these. Notice how the knob of the bat is before or in front of his back elbow. So there's zero drag. Look how close the bat is to his head here in the BP swing for sure. Mm -hmm. Even here, I mean, that's really close. The bat's still very vertical. He hasn't dumped that barrel. You know, he's not dropping it back here towards the catcher, it's still up. And then he continues to his bat lag position, which is what you were talking about here. That's pretty good. You know, what I look for in bat lag is the knob equal to the elbow. Uh, when the bat is equidistant from the camera. If you look here on the right, you're going to see more of a Yelich move. Okay, notice how he's steeper, right? His barrel stays up longer. He's pulling the knob a little bit more out in front. Now, maybe this pitch was further away from him, but that's about the same part of the swing. So notice how his barrel is out. So you can see in BP, he's trying to flight the ball down now, meaning he's trying to swing more level. Why is he doing that? Is it because he normally swings up too much, so he has to think, oh, I'm gonna swing down a little bit too much? Is he just trying to hit line drives up the middle? I don't know what he's doing, but the key is he can do both. If he needs to keep his barrel up and stay on top, awesome. If he needs to drop his barrel more, which he's not doing here, but say he got to this position, his barrel was down here, okay. Like, I'm cool if you drop your barrel like that. I'm cool if you keep your barrel up, as long as you can, control it and if i say do this you can do that and if i say drop it more you can drop it more that's the sign of a hitter that's in control and can make on the fly adjustments otherwise you're just a robot and you take the same swing and you only hit a pitch in a certain location at a certain speed
0: yeah yeah I, I, that bat leg i'm, I'm fascinated by it on the one on the, <laughs> the the video on the left the bp yeah. video So you can
1: see it here, like, if if he releases the lag, okay, so this is, you know, kind of what you're talking about, Jim, like, he's got the knob way out there, and he's got the barrel way back here. Now, watch how far the knob moves compared to the barrel, right? So the knob moved, like, four inches. He released it to the right, and the barrel moved, you know, kind of like this. So that's called speed right there. That's width, (laughs) okay? And then he kind of releases it out in front. You can see he hits kind of a low-line drive. Um, and he has this little shoulder shrug move which forces you to roll your wrists. Now rolling your wrists will actually increase the barrel with a huge risk of topping and rolling over a ball. Mm-hmm. If you can roll your wrists not over but around, it's a very cool way to do it. <laughs> but it's very difficult and risky, like Williams did it. Yeah. Williams had this last minute acceleration that looked very similar to Harper here. Where that? Let's go to the one on the right. Okay, where he's going to kind of, you know, wow, Harper actually he didn't roll his wrist at all. You can see the difference here in this position. If I bring Harper on the left to extension a little more, see how he's see how his right arm goes down and his left shoulder goes up. Oh yeah, That's a very small move, but that that just means he had a little bit more left forearm, left hand in it. But if you look at the swing planes themselves here. When he makes contact, so if he had a blast motion sensor on, okay, I mean, this isn't a perfect angle, but I would say, you know, there's his barrel, and there's the ball. Maybe he swings up close to whatever, five to seven degrees, okay? If we look at this game swing, which will be a little bit more uh, level, it looks like, because it was on a tripod, I'm sure, and he swings like this, this is more like maybe 10 degrees up, Mm okay? Okay. So maybe that's the difference. But if you notice this pitch coming in, the pitch is only, you know, three or four degrees dropping, okay? So he actually got underneath this. So if we draw this line to the catcher, okay, okay so this is, you know, say here, that's four-degree drop, which is a pretty good fastball. It's a 92-plus, 93-plus fastball. If he tried to hit it here, his barrel's – Oh man, I hit the wrong button. All right, now we got to redraw. Okay, take two, what do we say? Four degrees, Four degrees so if we look yeah. at his barrel, he's a little bit under here, okay? So he's not gonna hit that pitch, he's gonna foul it straight back. If he goes here, his barrel's here, he's probably gonna foul it back a little bit higher. And then, boom, watch his barrel come right back up and then he hits it right here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so his happy zone on this was more out in front. It was like from he- here to here, I would say. Okay, so if he was a little late, he would have fouled that off and no one would have seen this swing because no one would have recorded it if he fouled it up and back. Okay, so he was a little you know, he did have a little tiny, you know, we talked about holes in the swing, right? Maybe just a little tiny like two inch hole. Where here on the left, when he's hitting a little line drive, you know, he's right on plane. His you know, if we draw this pitch, I know it's a little bit blurry. You know but here's the the pitch coming in and if we draw you know what was it about like that notice how he gets on here see how his barrel never gets below the green line yeah like it did he gets to the green line and it's on the green line and then it's still on the green line and then it's still on the green line so he's on playing kind of between those two circles mm-hmm. without going under and back up like he did on the right so you know, that's what he's probably work on because he knows, hey, you know, once in a while I drop my barrel a little too much. Is that bad? No, that's not bad. It put himself underneath. And so what is that going to mean? Well, it means he's going to hit the bottom of the ball a little bit more. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where this one here is more of a Yelich swing plane. So what does Yelich do? He's going to get into his legs more to make that ball go up. Okay. That's why this ball didn't go up. It it left it on the exact same trajectory it came in Yeah, because – he hit the exact middle of the ball, and he was perfectly on point. So, um, really, kind of good to see what guys do in BP. I posted something on my Twitter page: Nelson Cruz, probably in his basement or his garage or something, you know, hitting off a hack attack, and just yeah, you know, he's not trying to like hit the top of the cage. He's just trying to like pretty much do what Harper's doing here. He's just trying to barrel things up and hit him right back on the same trajectory because he knows that once he gets amped up, that barrel's going to drop a little bit more, and that's going to put him underneath.
0: Yeah, You said this to me once that taking BP it should be about 75%. Get a feel, if you will, right? That's correct. I mean, it, it seems like Bryce is it, getting a feel there on that on the um, video on the left.
1: Absolutely, and especially yeah. if you're working on mechanics, if you're working on something, you don't want to be 100% because you're going to do what you were doing before. You're going to do what's in your DNA. So if you're trying to change, okay, and that's a big part of you know, people ask, why are you a, you know, a good teacher? You know, why why are you able to communicate or why are you able to get players to change? Because it's not just about information. There's, I mean, you can go on the internet. Everybody's got information, like information that confuses the heck out of me. And I do this every day. Yeah. It's how I communicate that information. How do I get a player to change the front shoulder, like you said? You know, how do I get a player to flatten out and take this, take this swing plane here? Sure. Um, I had a kid what a specimen this kid came in from Louisiana a couple days ago or early this week and 6 foot 4 215 pounds and like his legs like we adjusted his legs we like his rhythm we got him to sit behind the ball so his swing plane was better he leaves he he set our record in there He hit the ball harder than our college guys he's in at 103 point something miles an hour 103.7 miles an hour like I mean this dude was awesome but that was just two days of getting him to adjust his body posture, right? Because we had the right information and the right drills for him to do it. Now, is he's seeking to be great? No. I mean, now he's got to learn how to adjust off-speed pitches. He needs to learn how to, you know, recognize pitches, um, you know, breaking balls. That's kind of what gives him concern. But now he's able to stay behind it and stay back more, and that's the first step.
0: Yeah. I, I, by the way, I noticed, uh, I noticed the legs – more separate more separated I guess
1: hmm yeah and you can, can see, see his uh, uh, back uh,
0: foot goes straight up there's yeah. no
1: pushing there's no bug squishing with that back foot it just comes straight up and the more that back foot goes straight up the more this knee comes in the more this knee comes in the more that hip can rotate through mm-hmm. if we look here this is more realistic when he gets going but he has a narrow base but if you focus Sorry about that. If you focus here on his back foot, yeah, I mean it comes. His knee is so violent coming down and in, mm-hmm. okay. And his toes are kind of into the ground there, his back leg, but his knee is so violent coming in that that foot pops up, okay. And I always tell people, listen, that, you know, a lot of people focus on the foot, and and I tell players sometimes they'll do this too much, and I'm like, don't even move your foot, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I want his back foot to look like this. And, and right now I'm working with a player and his back foot does this times two, like it slides all the way to here. Oh, I might yeah. tell that player, don't move it, stick it in the ground and let's see what happens when they get their knee in. Well, yeah. I always tell players that the foot is like an earlobe. You can't move the earlobe by itself. You can move your head, and if your head moves, your earlobe will move, but you can't move the earlobe itself. And that's what I tell players is, look, hey, keep this guy grounded, use this knee, this knee is going to pull the foot into position.
0: Yeah. Well, what about the hip snapping? Is that, uh, How how does that correlate as well?
1: Yeah. So it's going to release this knee coming in. That's what creates the initial hip turn right there. Yeah. Okay. So when that knee comes in, his hips start to turn. And then as that knee continues and then this front knee pulls back, then these hips can really swivel through and explode and kind of snap through the swing. Yeah.
0: Can you go back to the timing window uh, you meant, and just kind of elaborate more on that because you mentioned that earlier um, with both videos, the BP video when he's with the Phillies and the 18 home run with the Nationals. But the timing window seems to be bigger, obviously, with the BP swing, as we mentioned earlier. Not so much, though, I guess, with the Nationals swing, when he's with the Nationals, the home run. Uh, and, yeah, it, it was
1: still good, you know. Yeah. Um, with with the Nationals one, I mean, we've uh, maybe we haven't done it here, but I've looked at you know a lot of players that their timing windows about four inches, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's that's not going to work. So at least Harper here on this one. Um, let me zoom out a little bit and then back in so we even these up just a hair. So, if we draw that same deal, I'm just gonna slide this over. Enter ball, okay, so here's the ball. Looks like it's, if I follow the blur, it's about there, four or five degrees. So, you can see, you know, I mean, he can make contact back there, Mm -hmm. but he's gonna make good contact here right when his barrel's coming up. And then the cool part is he extends his left arm so well that he stays on it. So now he's, I mean, he would have hit this ball even further here. Mm -hmm. And then he still could have hit it here. So that's, what, a three-ball window Mm -hmm. of destruction. But overall... Yeah, what's ideal? What's
0: ideal? Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, he could have hit it there and fouled it off, right, or broken his bat. And he still is going to make contact back here. So let's not be fooled, like, you know... His happiness is from here to here, but he could have at least battled with two strikes from there to there. Like, he's right. going to make contact. Mm-hmm. So that's that's excellent, right? What, that's,
0: what, yeah, what's the degrees of those three balls, the small square, though? What would, what would you, you say? Know,
1: it was the pitch itself was, was five degrees coming down, mm-hmm. and I believe his bat was like, what, seven, we said, going up here. Okay. Um, so the
0: attack angle was seven
1: i would say i mean it may have been you know there's a 10 degree attack angle so it's probably 10 where he hit it okay and that's perfect right we talked about you want to be 10 at your front toes Uh that's where it was and then he probably would have been closer to 12 or 13 out here
0: yeah yeah well that's important too you mentioned the front foot too he's hitting it right around that front foot where you want to hit that pitch that's kind of middle in there thigh high yep point a good point of contact
1: It is, and if it was, you know, I mean, and he had to rush it, right? We saw him get his foot down early, but
0: you know, ideally,
1: if that pitch was really far in, and you're not a freak like him with 90 mile an hour bat speed, yeah, yeah, you probably want to hit that a couple inches. What would you say his
0: bat quickness is? Because he does have tremendous bat speed, but yeah,
1: uh, he's probably in that .15 range, Mm -hmm. you know. I, I we could see if it's better than that point one four on some pitches, but yeah, most big leaguers are actually they're 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 pretty similar. They're all pretty similar. They're they're within one one hundredth of a second for the most part. Maybe two if it's a you know backup infielder that's their first glove. Yeah. So yeah, kind of a cool way to to check out different different approaches. Um, in in different environments, right? Here's a game environment. He's not thinking about his swing. No. He's like, I'm going to try to do damage. You know, I'm going to take my stride. I'm going to get going on time, and I'm going to let it rip. And then here, maybe he's like, you know what? I'm going to work on hitting balls right over the pitcher's head. Boom. And you can see it's just a very simple swing. I mean, I'll blow this up, and then we can just kind of look at it. You know, just simple. Yeah. Not crazy just hey it's bp man i'm going to find a barrel feels so good when i hit it off the barrel that's what i'm going to do go back through the middle okay and that's how most big leaguers train their first few rounds of bp is that's what they're working on is that swing point so going back to timing itself because i think this is really important is you know we we talked early in this little analysis here is you know what is rhythm rhythm starts here and it goes all the way to here
0: Okay, so toe touch.
1: Load to launch. Yeah, yeah. Load is just this. Okay, that's load is not a stride. Mm-hmm. Okay, load is getting ready to stride. That's a load. He's pushing down into his back heel. He's sitting into his back glute, and he's getting ready to lift his foot. So you can load any time. Okay, you can load when the pitcher comes set. I'm going to load. Maybe he's going to slide step you. You got to get into that book or that that back foot sooner mm-hmm. to get ready to stride. Then. Okay, now I can pick my foot up. Notice when he picks his foot up. Where's the pitcher? Okay, this is similar. He's not throwing from 60 feet, but the timing is going to be similar, 60 feet. Okay, he's lifting his arm. The coach is lifting his arm there, and Bryce is lifting his foot there. Okay? Then he's at the top of his stride here when the ball is released. Mm -hmm. That's the same as during a game. He's at the top. So now he can just sit here and read. Oh, it's inside boom he drops his foot quick oh, it's slower he keeps his foot in the air longer, but that's the key you got to be at the top of your stride when that ball comes out of the hand right there yeah and then all he's got to do is drop and go sure anyway that's a that's a good that's a good swing that's a good analysis you know we learned some some awesome stuff in terms of you know rhythm and timing and and what makes this guy so successful yeah.
0: Yeah, that line drive, by the way, that doesn't have any topspin to it, does it?
1: No, I think he pretty much squared this guy up. Okay. Usually you can tell this point, there's a a net right in the way, but this point when he hits it one frame after contact, the ball is higher than the bat. There's the ball and there's the bat. After contact, that usually tells me it had backspin and not topspin. Yeah. It would be the opposite. The barrel would have been up here, and the ball would have been down here if it had topspin.
0: So the ball has to be higher than the bat? for Yes. To tell if it's backspin, okay. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. And that usually just means we hit below the equator, and our barrel stayed low through contact. So many people try to swing up right at contact, and that leads to actually a lot of topspin. Yeah. Okay? And yeah. if they stay too low through contact, you'll just pop it up to an infielder. But, yeah. um, you know, it's, I would say more players swing up too much through contact whether they're rolling over their lead forearm or rolling their wrists or just swinging up too much to a high follow-through, then players doing the opposite. And that's why you see a pull-side shift because when players are early, they're swinging up more and they'll hit a ground ball to the pull-side versus a fly ball to the pull-side.
0: Yeah, you know, where you're paused right now, by the way, you're paused at the point of contact. If you just keep it there for a second. Right there. Right there, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. You know who that looks like right there? I'll tell you, if you ever see Ted Williams' posit point of contact, yeah. it kind of looks that kind of looks like his swing plane, his leverage, yeah, you know, the feet, the chest, everything.
1: Yeah, the, the, the one thing, thing that blurry, you would but... you would note uh, Williams would have dropped his barrel a little bit sooner, you know, more like more like what uh, Harper does in a game mm-hmm. uh, than this, you know, flatter one. And, yeah, he does. You know, Williams had a really strong top hand, left hand, and he would just flip that barrel through it. He would get slightly under. And I remember my dad telling me, um, I'm going to stop the analysis here um, for that, and we can just continue our our podcast. But uh, my dad would say, you know, Williams told him he would hit line drives where the second baseman would jump, and it hit him in the thigh. Mm -hmm. It had so much topspin on it because he would flip his hands – you know, he'd hit so hard, but he would flip his hands at the wrong time. Yeah. And William said it was it was always funny, you know, to get to first base, and, you know, the guy show him the bruise, the second baseman show him the bruise. But he said, all those balls that I did that, I could have hit nine miles. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 That's some good stuff right there. Again, the video will be uploaded to the Epstein Hitting YouTube page. And are you are you uploading it to Facebook as well?
1: I will upload the link to Facebook. Okay. Um Sure, yeah. so I'll, I'll put a shortcut to that on all our social media stuff, yep. and um, that's usually the you know the easiest place to find it. So you can go to YouTube or just check out our Facebook, uh, what is it, Epst- uh, Epstein Hitting, or Twitter, Epstein Hitting, um, or the lab, at the lab, BCS, any of those, I'll post that direct link to the analysis we did. It's a long one, 27 minutes it just came back at. so oh, 27, uh, not
0: bad, but still, it's, nevertheless...
1: It's, it's some quality stuff. Yeah.
0: So, and if you have again, you can follow along, or you can just kind of listen. I think we did a pretty nice job there of painting the the picture, um, doing theater of the mind there, and sort of explaining uh, Bryce's Swing with both the BP and the game swing. He does have a a pretty when he's going well. It's a it is a pretty swing. And
1: he's a guy that's super streaky, right? I mean, you know, what would consider somebody super streaky? Well, their swing, their happy zone you know, is somewhat minimized Mm -hmm. and they have a big leg kick. So when both of those match up, when he's seeing it well and his timing is on, he's going to get really hot. And then as soon as one of those factors, you know, he starts dropping his barrel a little bit too much. Now all of a sudden when he's an inch late, he fouls it back instead of getting a base hit. Yeah. Or if he gets his foot down at the wrong time and his swing isn't on plane, you know, now it's doubly compounded. So, Uh, Or that issue is compounded You know, that's that's when guys go into slumps And get really hot and really cold So, you know, if you can level off Those peaks and valleys as a Major league hitter or a hitter in general Then you pretty much know that you have A perfect combination of Swing
0: plane and timing We'll wrap up the show here The All-Star Game is in Philadelphia In 2026 Does he have a chance Does he have a chance To win two home run derbies in two sep in his two separate ballparks, home ballparks, with two separate he might in two separate teams in the same division, he may be the only guy in baseball history that has a chance to do that. 2026. A
1: lot of pressure you just put on him. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of, lot of pressure. You know, he'll he'll be. Uh, that plays
0: the bandbox though. So who,
1: correct? So what they'll have to do is get really soft baseballs for everyone else. Yes, like beanbags, <laughs> and then because Bryce will be how old in, in 6 years? Was he going to be like 32 or something? 32,
0: 33.
1: Yeah, yeah so he's going to be old. <laughs> you yeah, consider that old, don't we? I was that old? No, but I mean he'll he'll be he'll be primed. That'd be awesome. That'd I, be know, I What do you what do you see
0: in the future with Bryce going forward here? I
1: think if he takes the pressure off himself, he's going to be fine. Yeah. I really do. I I, I think he's I think he's in a good situation with Philadelphia. I think he's gonna be playing for you know, a good manager for, for him. Yeah. You know, Girardi, I think it's gonna be really good for him. Um, I I only see positives. I, yeah. I hope he stays healthy, you know, and I hope he has a surrounding cast. Yeah to, to to kind of help him. Because when you're a lone man on an island and you're making all that money, you know, just ask Arod, he wasn't the only guy making money, but when he went to New York, he's kind of a different player. Fair. You know, than it was when, when he was with Seattle and Texas because of the money and the limelight. It makes it, you know, East Coast media is not not very forgiving.
0: No, no, the fan bases it can be they can be up and down can be very very tough as well, especially when you're making that kind of money. And and by the way, he didn't have that bad of a year last year. No, I don't. I don't really. I really don't believe he did. I I, I just think there was these expectations of why he's going to hit forty five to. Fifty home run—that's that's not going to happen. I don't well, think I don't well, think that that'll ever happen. By the way, I think he. Well,
1: you know. that's the problem is he, he's not living up to thirty million a year or whatever he got. Yeah, that's the problem. If he would have got twenty million a year, it would have been a great season. Yeah, but all of a sudden you're the highest paid guy, and there's thirty other guys in the league that have similar stats than you. Yeah. that's a problem. That's the you know that's the problem. It's not that he underachieved; it's that. The expectations with that contract made it seem like he underachieved,
0: and you don't, and you don't get one MVP vote. That that's a big thing too, and not, and you don't make an All Star team either, right? Which, yeah, yeah. Well, that that wraps up our Bryce Harper mechanical breakdown series, part two. We'll be doing part three in a few weeks down the line. We'll do another hitter uh, next week, though. We'll be diving into the proper mental approach of a hitter, starting from pregame to um, when you arrive to the ballpark, pre-pre, I guess pre-pre arriving to the ballpark, pre-game, batting practice, in-game, and then post-game, how you can kind of evaluate yourself a little bit. Maybe we'll we'll dive into if meditation is a thing for athletes and baseball players as well when they're at home or maybe at the ballpark, maybe it should be added more. We'll be talking about that next week with the proper mental approach. Yeah, just when I
1: thought like, you know, this week was going to be my favorite because I love breakdowns, that that one's going to be awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be doing that one next week. That'll be episode number 12. And again, you can get all of our episodes here, including this one, episode number 11, new episodes every Monday, 9 a.m. We are on Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora now, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio. Um, We do have some clips on our SoundCloud page as well from previous episodes. So, don't want to listen to the whole episode you can listen to some clips on soundcloud reach out to us on social media at epsteinhitting at jim Tara, and send us your questions jimbo podcast 21 at gmail.com thank you for listening everybody stay safe baseball's almost back and we will talk to you next week Take care.